0: Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. So for this last Sunday, um, we started our new sermon series, and this is loosely uh, inspired by Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Alters in the World, um, because what we're looking at are spiritual practices for everyday people. Um, so we're starting with where we started at the retreat, so this la- last weekend, Labor Day weekend, we... Um, Did our annual church retreat in Florida at the coast, Um, actually, sorry, that's a very Washington state word, at the beach (laughs) in Florida, and we explored time, right, as a concept, um, as a way uh, to dip into eternity or these liminal Kairos spaces where, you know, transformational things happen. So that's what we did the retreat. And so our first sermon is on the spiritual practice of keeping time. And we couldn't have a sermon about time without reading some ecclesiastes Um, so i'm going to read ecclesiastes 3 1 through 12 but i'm going to pause in the middle because there's a pretty uh, a pretty pronounced break in the um in the writing of ecclesiastes so listen now for a word from god there's an opportune time to do things a right time for everything under the sun or on the earth a right time for birth and another for death a right time to plant and another to reap A right time to kill and another to heal a right time to destroy and another to construct a right time to cry and another to laugh a right time to lament and another to cheer, a right time to make love and another to abstain. A right time to embrace and another to part a right time to search and another to count your losses a right time to hold on and another to let go. A right time to rip out and another to mend A right time to shut up another to speak up a right time to love and another to hate a right time to wage war and another to make peace now at this point our dear writer in ecclesiastes makes um almost a delightful pivot (laughs) so follow me now as we continue in this scripture passage Most people haven't necessarily heard this part of the passage. We often stop where that uh, beautiful liturgy ends, but he continues in the writing. But in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look at what God has given us to do. Busy work mostly. True, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time, but he's left us in the dark so we can never know what God is up to, whether he's coming or going. I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most we can out of life. That's it. Eat, drink, make the most of your work. It's God's gift. Now, I watch a good bit of British television. (laughs) It's one of my, my love languages. And this final passage that we read in Ecclesiastes is what they would call cheeky, right? I mean, when we finished reading it at the end of the retreat last weekend, Tracy announced that it's now her favorite Bible verse. <laughs> Some of you might also recognize the, the parts of these scripture passages rolling around in your head and the voices of the birds or Dave Matthews Band. Um, surely the Puritans and Protestants after the Reformation must have completely missed this passage as they began to meticulously attempt to justify every moment of their lives by the standards of piety and productivity. Truly, what this passage offers us is a glimpse of the reality that we are, to echo the Job sermon from two weeks ago, we are mortal. Or, to echo the title of our new sermon series, We Are Everyday People. And we're going to spend our fall, this fall, exploring tangible, accessible, and sometimes surprising spiritual practices for everyday people. Or perhaps we can say, everyday mortals. So we're going to start where we started at the retreat last weekend. Um, We're actually going to start with time, specifically with spiritual practices that help us keep time in a deeper sense, in a more um, satisfying sense even. The spiritual practice of keeping time has the potential to be quite possibly the most accessible spiritual practice across all people in all places and phases of life because you can't escape it. You can't escape time, the passing of moments and events over the course of your life. The smallest baby and the wisest elder both inhabit our world, which we've set up with a framework of time, or what the Greeks call chronos, meaning seasons, hours, minutes, months, calendars, even birthdays. Chronos time is simply the measurement of life. There is this time for birth and time for death, a time to lament and a time to cheer. All we do is done within our understanding of this measurement of time. And so it holds such potential as a tool for growing in a spiritual sense, because we all experience it. How to make time into a spiritual source, a sacred structure, an entryway into the divine. And in this trajectory, we're now talking about Kind of how to wrestle time from its chronos function to another Greek word here, it's kairos, possibilities. So from chronos to kairos. Now let's talk a little bit about kairos. Kairos is the other name that Greeks gave time. Kairos is when our sense of time dips from linear chronos time almost into infinity into this timelessness. Kairos moments are the moments where things slow down, where events become foundational, where God is saying, look, this, it's important. Some people describe Kairos as spiritual time, when you're caught up in the depth or the joy or even the pain or transformation of a moment. You are deeply present to yourself, to God, to the event, to the person in front of you. When we talked about Kairos moments at the retreat, they ranged from the birth of a child to a divorce, a wedding ceremony to simply sitting in your garden. Maybe it's the first time your feet touched the ocean or it's sitting down with your coffee in your favorite morning chair. Kairos is when time becomes a gateway to presence, to love or transformation, even if the gateway is through a death of sorts that eventually leads to resurrection. Kairos is when we remember and live into those final words of Ecclesiastes 312. It's God's gift. Now, Much of the world and our lives fights against Kairos time in favor of Kronos, especially in our culture where productivity is, it's a God whose throne demands a lot of kneeling. We had a confession and assurance focused on productivity on the Sunday night of the retreat. Um, And it's made from some of my favorite direct quotations from the book, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. He is a former time management guru, helping people be efficient and productive, right? But in the midst of that work that he was doing, he turned into an Ecclesiastes convert. Now, instead, for his work, he advocates for people to have a good time and get the most, which we should be reasonable about, get the most we can out of life. Berkman's time spent in the corporate world helping people get more done ironically made him into an advocate of letting things take the time they take. I I have not underlined a book quite this much in a long time. Berkman brings into focus how we have privileged Kronos hustle, efficiency, productivity, measurement over Kairos transformation so i created this confession and assurance and i would love to share it with you today creative wisdom may we begin to grasp that when there's too much to do as there always will be the only route to psychological freedom is to let go of the limit denying fantasy of getting it all done instead take our hand and give us permission to focus on doing a few things that count We know that none of us can single handedly overthrow a society dedicated to limitless productivity, distraction, and speed. But right here, right now, help us to stop buying into the delusion that any of that is ever going to bring satisfaction. We too often treat everything we're doing, life itself in other words, as valuable only insofar as it lays the groundwork for something else, for more control, more wealth, even more time. Remind us that the only time we have for certain is what we are experiencing right now. Forgive us when we are constantly using the precious time that we have now simply as a tool to help us feel in control of tomorrow. Give us the mental space to enjoy the grace of letting things take the time they take. Give us the grace to sit with each moment as a moment we spend with care, attention, and that grace. Amen. So, how to shift our attitude towards time from Kronos to Kairos? We are in like the best historical company for this. Luckily for us, this is not a new desire. It's not a new conviction or a new way of encountering the divine. We could even say that it's the desire to live in the kingdom of God that is echoed throughout history. That's what this is. That's what we're aiming towards. But we do need practices and interruptions in our life to help us shift our focus from squeezing the most out of every moment and instead showing up to the moments we actually have. We need guidance to loosen our death grip on our calendars and schedules and instead to sit and eat and drink and be merry in the company of God. So. Part two of this sermon, we're gonna explore some practices. And we're first gonna to journey to those convents and monasteries where time is kept through daily prayers or offices. And I what I want you to, to know is that it doesn't have to be held in a convent or a monastery. We can do this. Oftentimes these spiritual communities follow the rhythm of their day through a structure of prayers. And they say if you want to build a new habit, you should attach that habit to something already in your schedule. And this is really a reflection of what they do, Um, those who pray the daily prayers or the liturgy. Morning prayers before breakfast, midday at lunch, all the way to compline prayers at the time you go to bed. They build their schedule around these little prayer interruptions almost. The content of these prayers marks the day's passing with things like psalms and hymns or songs, other scripture passages and prayers that have been written for that time of day specifically. And for a while, when I was pregnant with Micah, Chris and I picked up Phyllis Tribble's prayer book, The Divine Hours, highly recommend. um, And we would start our day with her short scripture, Psalms and prayers. And then we would end our day reading the comp line that she had prepared aloud together. And it helped me feel supported in that time of need, not just by God, but also by Chris, as I grew our first child. All the traditions in the Christian faith have some version of the daily offices or the daily prayers. And I think that we're a bit anemic, and myself included, for not heeding better this long-held practice. I think it makes us somewhat spiritually anemic because it means we often pass through a whole day without pausing, without opening our chest and our heart towards God to be comforted, to be assured, to be healed. We lose out on these handholds that have been ancient practices to, that would lift ourselves out of Kronos and into Kairos. But it also means that we're missing out on praying with others, that community throughout the world at specific times when this community across the world pray in different languages and different cultures. It means that we miss out on experiencing a glimpse of that eternal community that is built into this rhythm of prayer. And I I just want you to know that I am saying this as much to myself as I am to you. Now, there are so many resources to build this into your day. There's, I mean, the Divine Hours that I talked about. There's a lot of great Celtic books that help you start your day and end your day in prayer and scripture. But there are also apps, my friends. There are many apps. There are apps that are built on the lectionary, which is the scripture readings um, that are shared across cultures that are collected together. So what I'm trying to say is, pick up a resource, one that works best for you. Maybe it's a daily um, podcast. There are podcasts that do the divine hours. So research that as you see fit. Um, but I, before I move on to the next one, I want to repeat what I said before. New habits form best as bedfellows to current habits. So build these Kairos interruptions into your morning coffee drinking, into your morning commute or your afternoon commute, into your lunch hour. Perhaps it's a quick meditation or a power nap in the afternoon that you take. Set a sticky note on your bedstand so you see it as you turn out the lights at night. Put flags, or I guess a more spiritual world, you can put like the rocks, the Ebenezer's into your life to get your attention and slow you down to pray. But prayer is not the only way to engage in a spiritual practice that helps us attend to time, right? The thing about time is that we are often, as humans, we often have an orientation because of our risk mitigation tendencies toward future time. Time we don't even know we're going to get. Time that is completely out of our control but in our anxiety to be in control or to fit everything in we sacrifice being present to the moment we do have now and we spend that moment instead preparing or thinking solely about time in the future about what could happen how to mitigate risk what five things need to get done before x y and z um, in, the, in the vein of Tara Brock, I love to call that the trance of thinking. And usually that thinking, that trance we get to into is about the future. Yet in the Sermon on the Mount and elsewhere, Jesus, this time in Matthew 634, reminds us to give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I don't think Jesus meant for us to abandon all plans to secure food and shelter, but I do think this is a line in the sand that Jesus draws to help us evaluate how much of our time is spent thinking and planning for the future and how much of our time is spent intentionally with gratitude for now and enjoyment of the moment we have been given right now and right now and right now. And there are a lot of spiritual practices that help us do this. Most of them have no fancy names. You probably already do some of them. But the shared thing about a lot of these practices that bring us into the present moment is that they involve our senses. They involve our body. Honestly, any spiritual practices that lev- any spiritual practice that leverages the five senses calls you back to being present or being in the presence of God. Maybe it's a meal shared with friends. I've been meeting on Thursday nights with two friends and we don't really have a formal plan, but we connect with each other. We check in on how we're doing. Being present with another person. Perhaps for you, it's gardening with your hands in the dirt, smelling that soil. Maybe it's lighting a lavender candle and sitting in silence. For the retreat, I set a timer for 10 minutes and everyone drew, whether they considered themselves artists or not. They paid attention to an object, they saw it and then took their hands on pencils and drew it. Your five senses are the gateway to being not in the past and not in the future, but in the here and now which is where god meets you at the retreat we brainstormed ways to be instead of do and i think they also linked up well with the spiritual focus on the senses ideas like build sabbath rest into your months your weeks even your days or take a break from your smartphone cuddle with a pet or your kids or a loved one journal listen carefully and with intention to someone who is struggling. Take a bath, sit on the porch, practice breathing or meditation, take a walk in creation, listen to music. Being present and all the different ways we can call ourselves back into the present or how I like to say it, back into presence with a capital P meaning the divine. All of these practices are powerful ways to dip out of those productive goals of Kronos and into the spiritual space of Kairos. But I will admit we do understand time as humans as past and present and future. And I don't, I don't want to say that those aren't also important. So how do we hallowed, how do we make sacred all three aspects of how we understand time? Making them material that we find God and meaning. One particular practice is from St. Ignatius that I want to talk about today. And I've talked about it before, but it's been powerful for hundreds of years, so it's it's worth bringing up a few times, right? Maybe the seven times that it takes for us to remember something. And this practice is called the Daily Examine. And the name basically says it all. At the end of the day, perhaps at dinner um, or later when bedtime is approaching, you sit down with a paper and pen or computer, or for some people it's simply a thought experiment, no writing involved, but you sit down and you examine your day. In the daily examine's most basic and broad sense, there's five, there's five steps to this. And the first step is you just become aware of God's presence, right? You, be, you come into the present moment and acknowledge God's presence in it. And then you review the day with gratitude and kindness. And that's really important that this is not an examination where you're like super critical about everything you did. The spirit that you wanna bring to it is gratitude that you got a day (laughs) and also kindness because being human can be really hard. So you review the day with gratitude and kindness as your attitude. Next, you pay attention to your emotions and how you are feeling about the day or how you felt in those moments in the day that you remember. The next move is you choose one feature from the day and you pray for it. Maybe it's a good thing, like something really powerful happened and you wanna pray and be grateful about that. Maybe it's a hard thing. You had a hard conversation. Um, You have to do something hard the next morning. Um, You can spend a few moments praying your way through that opening it up before God and then lastly you spend a moment looking forward to tomorrow um, looking forward not as in being excited about necessarily but looking towards what's happening the next day who will you be talking to what do you need to prepare your heart to encounter so the attitude of the examine is not to be taken from the word exam It's not a test or evaluation of that kind. It is simply a conscious reflection on the past and the future so that you can hold them in the care and the kindness of God. And friends, I hope that as we wrap up this practices talk for today, I hope for myself and for you all that you do start to spend time in that specific state of kindness that time that you spend will be flavored with it because we only have a specific and unknown amount of time. And to return to the spirit of the writer of Ecclesiastes, things in our lives will happen in the time they will happen. We've got no more or no less, and our job is not to understand it all. In fact, that might make the time more miserable if we try to, But in spirit of Ecclesiastes, it is better to be present to the gift, present to the moments we have present to what is within reach, and honestly, is often not much more than eating, drinking and being merry, because we are in some sense just mortal. So if anything else, as you think about time, I hope you take a load off and I hope that you find yourself with more and more opportunities to enter Kairos. Amen.